Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To infiltrate the Oscars with our movie on how to save a mockingbird? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to another uh, quarantining uh, episode of Double Feature, where you have uh, double the Will Ferrell, double the Boats and Holes. How you doing, Brad? Doing good, especially after a long week of watching some amazing Adam McKay movies. You had to get yourself a refresher, huh? Oh yeah, well... Anytime you have an excuse to go through Adam McKay's backlog, I'm not going to take that out. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Understandable. Hey, all right. So, um, and we got a, got a few movies from my childhood in this list right here, man. Um, dude, I mean, I think we should just, just, just hop right into it, man. Uh, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. The, the man, one this- that started it all. Yes, the directorial debut debut of Adam McKay and the beginning of a long comedic relationship with uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. It did this film growing up, man. It kind of meant a lot to me, man. I had like quotes memorized. Um, my mom and I saw this in theaters. I could not stop laughing, and when she bought it on DVD, I would watch it every day. I stopped oh, 100%. at some point, but yeah, I just. It works. I don't want to mess this up. It works 60% of the time. Every time. That smells like pure gasoline. When, yeah, when he, has the, he has the cologne. Uh, what Paul was it Rudd. called? Uh, uh, Sex Panther? <laughs> it was called something. <laughs> something about the Panther. Oh, man, yeah, the, dude. It, the entire movie is fantastic start to finish. Uh, one of those few comedies that has you just laughing the entire way through. Not a single missed opportunity for a single joke. It, I absolutely really loved it. rewatching it. It still holds up today, 100%, too. I think that's it one really, of the best parts. It really it really does. Um, just uh, throwing a quick plot summary out there. Ron Burgundy, um, successful 70s uh, news reporter. Um, chauvinistic, a little stupid. Uh, he, uh, he deals very with stupid. The, yeah. Yeah. He deals with a changing landscape where, you know, um, a woman is coming into the, uh, the, the, um, the newsroom and, you know, he's dealing with, you know, uh, feminism and things of that nature. And, uh, he realizes he has to, uh, either combat it or make a change. So that's, um, uh, that's the cookie cutter summary of what this fantastic, hilarious film is. Um, I love how, even though it's a goofy movie, it still kind of gives like a, a tip of the hat to feminism in the seventies and how like, you know, women coming into the workplace, whether it was the newsroom or whatever, um, you know, they were, they were standing their ground. And, um, I feel like Christina Applegate, like, again, even though this is a comedy, she does very well. And, um, as a, uh, his, his foil and eventual, you know, love interest in this film. Oh yeah. It it definitely works out with her being in that lead uh, role along with Will Ferrell. Like, if you look at them on paper, you might not go, oh, yeah, this is like the perfect combo for a comedy. 
but it works out so well. And everything, like her very serious comedic demeanor matches perfectly with the off the wall comedy that Will Ferrell is producing in the entire movie. And I think the best part is you have everybody else in the movie being even stupider than Will Ferrell's character. And it mm-hmm. somehow makes Will Ferrell's character seem grounded, even though he's an absolute idiot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, the supporting cast here, man, it's just excellent. you got Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, David Kochner, Chris pa- Parnell, Catherine Han, uh, Fred yeah, Armisen. Yeah. Looking at the little Fred Willard, Vince Vaughn in a few scenes. Um, well, Vince Vaughn yeah, this is was a part a, of this the was a comedic, uh, uh, competing news broadcast team. So the entire time, he's almost like a news villain. broadcast team. Yeah, I thought he only had a few scenes. Uh, he only does have a few scenes. His part in the original movie was going to be bigger, but they kind of cut him back a lot when they were actually making the movie. It's one of those movies okay. that they kind of were rewriting it as they were filming it. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, yeah, man. Uh, great moments in this film, man. You know, he's just I can go down a line of memorable scenes. You know, uh, <laughs> Jack Black's cameo is pretty funny. Uh, oh, when yeah. he's on a motorcycle. He's on a motorcycle. Ron Burgundy's like, oh, man, this shake is so delicious. I'm tired of drinking it. He throws it at Jack Black and he crashes. Then he takes Ron's dog and kicks it in the ocean. (laughs) There's just so Uh, many great scenes with this one. The the night fight. The night fight that happens in daylight. (laughs) Oh, between all the newscasting teams? Right, right. And then they all they all uh, regroup in Ron's room. He tells Steve Carell like, uh, "You you you might want to lay low for a while. You could go on trial for murder." Yeah, I <laughs> killed a guy. Yeah, we saw. You might want to lay low, buddy. <laughs> right. I threw a trident. <laughs> I love lamp. I, I love uh, lamp. Oh, oh, that's. There's so many classic quotes from this one. I think the one that I use the most is, "I'm not even mad. I'm kind of impressed." Which which scene was that? Uh, when he's talking to his dog that ate the entire uh, what was it? I'm trying oh, to remember. The cheese? Yes, the entire wheel of cheese. Ah, yeah. I'm not yeah, even man. mad. I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, there's Steve Carell trying to hit on um uh, Christina Applegate. Like, would you like to go to the pants party? What? Uh, pants party. Uh, party. Uh, are you asking me to come to a party in your pants? Yes, I am. No, thank you. <laughs> Then the other guy comes, hey, John, would you like to come to my pants party? Uh, sure. All right, let's go. <laughs> he just runs yeah. away. Dude, I love – when Steve Carell plays an oblivious character, he's he's brilliant. He definitely has range as an actor because I he love does. him in all kinds of you know roles. Uh, like I Need a Friend for the End of the World is a good like depressing comedy that he plays really well in. Uh, plays saw. great as Brick in Anchorman. He, what's the other one? Dan in Real Life. Yeah, I heard that was a good one. That was um, I gotta be honest, man. Um, when I saw Foxcatcher, you know, at first I was like, this is Steve Carell playing Michael Scott playing a psycho. 
Mm-hmm. But he he's pretty good in Foxcatcher. He deserves his uh the the acclaim he got for that one. But I think one of his best roles was Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss. Oh yes, yeah. I can definitely agree with that. He definitely knocked that one out of the park, especially because everybody still knew him as the Office guy. Right. So most people weren't expecting that. Because isn't that the first one that he took, like, right after The Office? Um, I think it was during The Office, but yeah. Was yeah. it during? Okay. Because I remember everybody being, like, surprised by his acting in that one and going, this isn't the Steve Carell we know. This is a different Steve Carell. Right. Also, Crazy Stupid Love was a great Steve Carell film. Yes. Yeah, he does yeah. good in those, like, romantic kind of comedies of sorts. He's just a likable guy. He's very likable. Yeah, and then uh, one. I'm trying to remember Dinner for Schmucks. That was, you know, he's great in that movie, but that movie isn't so great. Yeah, that movie. I'm not saying that's a good movie, but he definitely nails the role in that movie. Right, uh, right. Him and Zach Galifianakis are the two like best parts of that movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what else can we say about this, uh, man? Uh, I mean, Anchorman is just one of the largest kind of Adam McKay movies. I don't think there's anybody that really hasn't seen it that would enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, and and I don't want to ruin anything before we get to the end here. Dude, I honestly feel like that's the best Adam McKay, Will Ferrell um, collaboration out of the five films, four to five films we're discussing today. I mean, it's just... It's definitely the second one for me. There is one that beats it for me. I hope you're not going to say what I think you're going to say. We'll get it there. Probably. I (laughs) I think we discussed this in the past. Um, But uh, what what was I about to say, man? Um, The only scene... I agree with you. From from beginning to end, it's a great comedy. The only scene to me that's a little kind of eh, whatever is a uh, the metaphorical sex scene, where it's like that. It's that cartoonish uh, segment where him and Christina Applegate are like riding on unicorns. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I get it. It was funny, but I was like, eh, yeah, it was. Eh, it's a little too goofy for my taste. Uh, the part where he plays the clarinet, man, that's so stupid. It's funny. Like, he's, he's playing it all over. At some point, he's in a bathroom stall sliding underneath playing it. Like, <laughs> that, That's one of the things that makes the movie so great is they take a concept and they just keep running with it until it's not funny and then make it funny again somehow. Right. Uh, it, it just, they continually do that throughout the movie. And the clarinet scene is one of the perfect examples of that where you're just watching and going okay this is getting old okay now it's funny again how is this becoming even funnier than it was at the start now and it just continually yeah. keeps rolling and you're just going eventually it's going to end that's a yeah that's a great um that's a great character he created man ron burgundy uh ron burgundy's the man well he now does the podcast as uh ron we talked burgundy. about that yeah yeah so, so um, I'll go ahead. Yeah, so that's something that uh, Will Ferrell does now, and I can't remember when he started it, but I remember he did like an interview on Conan's show about it. It was like, I don't know, you just listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are sold or wherever. 
Like you can tell that Will Ferrell has no idea what he's doing, but he's having a blast doing it still. <laughs> that seems like a Ron Burgundy thing to say. That too. Whatever podcast is sold or whatever. Uh, uh, okay, so what can you tell me about Wake Up Ron Burgundy? I never saw this one. So that one was a direct-to-DVD kind of special features movie. And it mm-hmm. basically is a recut of all the deleted scenes and alternate takes that they got during the filming of Anchorman. Because, as I said earlier, they were kind of rebuilding the script as they were filming it. Because they were right. realizing that the original script wasn't that funny. <laughs> and so they took all that footage that they had because they still had like an entire movie's worth of like cut footage from like the previous script. And they just kind of rebuilt it using some scenes from Anchorman and some alternate cuts and everything like that and the deleted scenes from the original script. So that is what the Lost movie is. Uh, it's okay. You can definitely tell why it was all cut. <laughs> but you there can are, tell why like, it's lost. Yeah, you can tell exactly why they went, this doesn't need to be made. But where they went, we have enough footage here to make like a bonus features movie, not like a sell it on, you know, line kind of movie, but an actual bonus features kind of thing of seeing like where they originally were going with this plot. And it's if you're a huge fan of Anchorman, you have an hour and a half to kill. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Don't expect too much. But uh it's it does have a couple scenes that I remember giving me a good laugh, but I didn't do a rewatch of that one when rewatching all the movies recently. I kind of skipped it still. Okay. <laughs> so that that's the opinion on that one. <laughs> you, you convinced me that it may not be worth my time. Yeah, it's it, unless you right. really uh, have some time to day. kill. Uh, it's really not worth checking out unless you really want to know like what their original idea was for Anchorman, so you can really appreciate where they went with it instead. Right, right. All right, man. Uh, I think that's uh, all we got for that one. And uh, yeah, solid film. I think it's a very solid movie. Uh, I think uh, we done. Yeah, I think we're good on Anchorman. There's not much you can say about that one because that one, it, everything that could be said about that has been said already. It, it's critically appraised. It's fan appraised. It got its own kind of cult classic status. You know, and, I feel like if... Yeah, I, I was going to say not to cut you off. I feel like if we kept talking about it, we just end up uh, quoting lines from the movie. And uh, I don't, I want to put the audience through that, man. They do that. On I mean, I could happily enough. do that. <laughs> I could quote well, we'll, that movie all day, every day. All right, we'll we'll do an extra snippet. We'll we'll save a snippet for uh, I don't know later on in our podcast career and say, hey, this is just me and Brad just quoting lines from Anchorman. <laughs> We're just out reading scenes. out the script as we remember it. <laughs> People do it with Troll Two all the time. But yeah, let, let's get on to the next movie in the list. Now, all right. Now this one right here. If you said if you say that this one is the best Will Ferrell Adam McKay film, you've won me over cuz you got an argument. Um Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. 
I, I love this one. It's not my favorite, though. Okay. All right. So now I know you're going to disappoint me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to start it. <laughs> I think this was an amazing follow-up, dude. I think I think this is kind of an underrated one, too. Um Ricky Bobby's a NASCAR driver through and through, a KFC Taco Bell eating NASCAR driver, um, who has his best friend. Uh, the first time we see uh, the two, um, you know, uh, brothers from different John mothers C. in action. John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and uh, you know he has a um, a French uh, adversary coming over to beat him in the race. Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, Mister Borat. And, you know, that plays the way. And, you know, Ricky Bobby goes through his trials and tribulations of, you know, discovering he might not be the first. So he's last. Mm-hmm. You ain't first. You're last. Oh, man. I love this movie, dude. This is a this is a movie that plays the joke straight and doesn't let up ever. Yeah, it is one of the it's a very good movie. And I specifically remember getting a free copy of it. Because they were giving out free copies of it when you bought like a PS3 back in the day. Okay. And I remember watching it. It was like one of the first Blu-rays I actually owned. And I loved it. Right from the get-go. I didn't see it in theaters. I missed that whole thing. But as soon as it came out on Blu-ray and I got that free copy of it, I probably watched that movie at least ten times. Dude, I feel like this is one of those comedies that... One of those rare moments you can be proud of Hollywood that they actually took a chance on this. Like, um, oh yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Like, like, like when you see a movie like Dumb and Dumber, you don't expect a movie like that to be made about two dumb people getting in trouble. Well, and the only funny. reason that something like Dumb and Dumber gets made is because you have uh, Jim Carrey attached to it, who was huge at the time. Yeah. Like, when you get an actor attached to a movie like that, that's when you have, like, the chance to actually take risks and make a movie like that. Because we even kind of discussed it with uh, the Ghost in the Shell, the last episode, where that movie would have never gotten made if Scarlett Johansson hadn't been attached to it. You're right on that. And Ballad of Ricky Bobby has Will Ferrell. And again, Anchorman, you know, sold off. And you know, right. also you had old school too, which kind of sailed off too. But what I'm saying is, when you got a comedy like that, this like that's so unique that plays the joke straight, uh, you're kind of glad that it exists because in any other um, realm where there wasn't a famous person attached, this movie probably would have never got made. Somebody right. probably would have been like, "So what's the point? It's a it's a dumb. I mean, it's it's a it's an overachieving NASCAR driver that's that's oblivious." So his surroundings, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're not making that. So I'm glad this got made, man. I love Battle of Ricky Bobby. I love how I, I love the initial downfall where he's he's straight up uh, in is his sports rehabilitation. He's, oh, he's yeah. Trying to, he's, he's trying to play basketball with uh, these other men who are disabled in wheelchairs. And he, he hops out of the wheelchair to block, to block someone's shot. Yeah, it has so much stupid comedy in it, and it's perfect Will Ferrell. And I remember when they were, like, showing the previews and stuff for this movie, I didn't see it in theaters. It didn't interest me when it was coming out. It didn't seem like the kind of movie I would enjoy. And the only reason I actually checked it out originally was because I got it for free 
on Blu-ray. And it was like, I got to watch a Blu-ray. It's supposed to be like super amazing quality and everything like that. So much better than DVD. And I don't think this was a good movie to like approach that kind of thought. But it's such a good movie that I do not regret watching it as many times as I have. Yeah, I um, on one of my first watches, I wasn't too impressed with Shasha Baron Cohen's performance, but like I say on um on few on future watches watches, um, he's not bad in this movie either. He take he, no. he grows on you. He's very good. Yeah, I feel like he he had to grow on me a little bit because I was like, eh, I'm not feeling Sasha in this one. I feel like. As a side note, Shasha Baron Cohen is best when he's playing his own characters, like Borat and Bruno. Anytime he's in a comedy that's by somebody else, it, it feels like, eh, you're, you're better going off on your own material. Yeah, he's that definitely better be- when he creates his own characters and kind of gets in the headspace of them. I'm right. trying to remember what that one Showtime uh, show was that he did, the miniseries. Uh, oh, what is America? No, oh, not Ali G. Uh, I think it was yeah, called I, What is America? Because he had like several different characters throughout that one, and he's he devolves right into those characters with such ease. Ali G is another one. That's a classic. It is. Um, you know, I still gotta watch what uh I still gotta watch that America show because I, I heard that it's a good show. Um I'll check that out, man. Cause I heard that's that's Sasha Baron Cohen like at at his level best because there's so many characters and he's delving right into it, like you said. And uh he, I heard he's got a show on Netflix where he's playing like a straight dramatic role too. He plays a spy, and people say he's pretty good. I didn't know about that. I'm gonna have to look that up because I remember he was doing something recently at uh, some kind of rally where he sang like a country song or something like that, and he got like kicked off the stage by the people running the event. Yeah, that was Borat, wasn't it? No, it wasn't as Borat. He was as like a new character and everything like that. And people didn't know it was him for the longest oh, time. Wow. And I when can imagine the, uh, that. people that were running the event found out that it was him, they like kicked him off the stage and everything. And he had to like flee. And the only like video of it that, you know, is somebody taking cell phone footage of it before they realize it was Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay. I can, I can imagine that. I can honestly imagine that happening. Yeah, he's a he's a wild boy. He's wild. Yeah. So people are kind of wondering if that was done for like another project that he's working on, or if he just did that out of boredom. Because with Sasha Baron Cohen, it could be either of the two. You have to uh, imagine. There's so many times where he's done stuff and nobody knows that it was him, or it just wasn't recorded, or he didn't like how it came out. So it'll never see the light of day, and nobody even knows. Could be. Yeah, I, um, yeah, he kind of, uh, I haven't seen much of him lately outside of what I just told you. But, oh, yeah, you're right. What is America? Uh, yeah. Who is America is actually what it's called. Who is America? That's it. Yes. That's funny. Um, but yeah, man, I had a, I had a best friend back in the days of Talladega Nights where we would say all the time, shake and bake. Shake <laughs> and bake. There would be no context. It was just out of nowhere. Shaking me. Uh, Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that one. I just love John C. Riley's character in it, too, because the entire time he's like, yeah, Ricky Bobby is the first. I'm the second. Every time. All the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's kind of a flip of the anchor man. You know, it works sixty percent of the time. Yeah, all the time, <laughs> every time. What do you say? Something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shake and bake, dude. Their chemistry is through the roof. I love oh, John 100%. C. Riley and Will together. Their chemistry is amazing. Um, the word on the street is that uh, Will Ferrell, um, him and a co-producer, uh, Jimmy Miller. I think it was either Jimmy. No, I think it was uh, the co-producer, Jimmy Miller and Jim McKay. They had a uh, they pitched. They gave a six word pitch to Sony. Will Ferrell as a NASCAR driver. That's what I mean by stardom, man. And they just yeah. automatically just signed up. I mean, that's how a lot of the movies come about that Will Ferrell's in. Same with Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler is Adam Sandler as this. Okay, here's the check. <laughs> Go make it happen. Right. Uh, I think they like made a joke about that in uh, South Park, too, with the Roboto or whatever that episode was, where Cartman's in the cardboard box as the robot friend. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that. And he's was, sitting wasn't in the he pitch trying, meeting. <laughs> wasn't he trying to trick? Uh, uh, wasn't he trying to trick Butters into doing something? Yeah, he was trying to trick Butters, and I can't remember what, but I remember the <laughs> scene in the episode in the pitch meeting where Adam Sandler plays a golden retriever. <laughs> Adam Sandler okay. does this, you know, and the people in the pitch meeting are just going, "Man, this is gold. This is beautiful." Yeah. You know? Right, right. Um, one of the best scenes in this film, uh, when him and um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, their cars collide and they start doing the mega flips like like continuously for about like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 they flip in the air for like over and over and over. Uh, again, a, a stupid scene that shouldn't work, but it's, it's funny because it's stupid. Right. It's one of those scenes that should have ended like about a fourth of the way through the scene right but they just keep playing because if i recall correctly they play the same clip multiple times they do yeah they do they really do they play the same clip multiple times yeah in order to just extend it out it goes from being funny to not funny to absolutely hilarious uh he, he does well with those kind of scenes i think yeah, well, who, who, which one are you talking about? Uh, Adam McKay and his, like, directing style. He does very right. well with doing those scenes that kind of overstay their welcome and become funny again. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, um, anything else to say about this one? Uh, not off the top of my head. I I do love how they basically... Like, this is one that comedy fans like, NASCAR fans enjoy, and everything like that. It's just a fun movie. Uh, Even the people that it's kind of making fun of are enjoying this movie, and that's how you know it's a good comedy. Okay. So, Hierarchy, I got this film as the second best. Uh, First best is Anchorman. To me. Just to me. Uh, um, Yeah, I I got this at number two. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, I, th- I got a feeling we might clash on this one. I got a feeling we might clash. I, I have a feeling we're very much going to clash on this one. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> we got, again, the Dream Team, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, McKay behind the camera, uh, Step Brothers. 
So I'll I'll go ahead and say it. This is my number one Adam McKay Will Ferrell movie. You put this over Anchorman. Really? I put this one over Anchorman. I absolutely love this movie and have quoted it wow. a- at least once a week since I've seen that movie. Wow, okay. I wow. I can't put this over Anchorman, but hey, I, I, I do get it. It's a great it is it is a pretty solid comedy. Um I think everything about it is just perfect because you have the premise of two, like, I think they're in their 30s or 40s, uh, still living with their parents, uh, who are getting married and they're being forced into the same household with each other. They already hate each other. Uh, They just hate (laughs) everything about each other. They fight constantly. And the one scene where they uh make the bunk beds it it, it'll get a laugh out of me every single time when they like burst into their parents room and just go we want to make bunk beds you're you're grown adults don't give a fuck yeah (laughs) like go ahead yeah you're grown adults if you want to do it just do it you don't have to ask us for permission you know what man go ahead and even the scene where, you know, they become best friends. Do you want to do karate in the garage? Yep. <laughs> it's just everything about this movie is 13 laughs a minute. I, I absolutely love the way that they play off each other when they hate each other and then when they're best friends and then when they're enemies and everything like that. I think uh, this the, movie. This, go ahead. Yeah, it's just everybody plays off each other so perfectly. They act as perfect foils and wraps for each other. I think this movie is a demented uh, 13 going on 30. You oh, it 100% is. With Jennifer Gardner. Um, I, got a, I got a confession to make, man. Out of, out of the Will Ferrell-Adam McKay collaborations, Step Brothers ain't one of my favorites. I know that's but I listen, I know that's controversial because I know a lot of people love it. I know people love Step Brothers and I and I love some scenes in it. But this is one of the ones where I felt like the joke kind of got overplayed to me towards the end. Like, okay, you got these middle aged fellas, they still living at home, you know, his mama married his dad. They don't like each other, now they're friends, now they realize they gotta grow up. I feel like this could have been a seventy five minute movie. And it didn't need to go for um, 98. This could have been an hour long film on HBO. It didn't need to be 98 minutes. Oh, see, but (laughs) they pack those minutes with laughs throughout. There's no dead air time with it. There's always something going on. And I'm trying to remember who played uh, uh, Will Ferrell's brother in it. Um I'm blanking on his name right now, but he has one of the Adam my, Scott. Adam Scott, that's who. Yes, yeah. and he has one of the best scenes in the movie when he's in the car with his family doing the song and everything like that, and it's going perfectly. And he just stops it, and you know they almost get in a car accident because right, right. he's getting so into pitch. it. Did he say to one of his kids, "You're off pitch"? Or yeah, something you're off like pitch. That. Or his wife. His wife was off pitch. Right. Right. I, again, you know that it has some funny moments. It has some funny moments, but then when he came up to the uh, what was it, the clubhouse, and he showed his uh, you could tell those abs were plastic. Showed oh yeah, plastic abs. You see this? You see this chest? I'm like, this movie's going. This movie is so over the top. 
like, I, I get it. It, it, it. It's for a certain type of audience. I loved it when I was younger, but like when I got older, I was like, you know, the Boston Hole scene is funny. I don't know. I, I, I don't look at Step Brothers as one of the best Will Ferrell movies ever made. So most people do. I, I can't. I don't know if I can give it that, man, because it's like the joke plays a little too for too long to me. Oh, see, I I love that part of it. It's for me. Every scene gets a laugh out of me. I don't think there's ever any dead air moments where I'm going, okay, that joke was didn't land right, or that joke wasn't funny. You know, what are you doing? I'm burying you in the yard. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna you run know, my balls on your drum kit. Don't you dare touch my drum kit. That that scene made me laugh. Yeah, the, the, the hitting the balls on the drum kit. <laughs> that made me laugh, man. Um. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I gotta give it another shot. I'll, I'll probably give it another shot one day and, and reassess. But I don't know. I, man. I recommend it because it's still you know if you don't care for it, that's fine and everything like that. But it's still one of my favorite Adam McKay Will Ferrell movies. It it hands down, just because I can watch it as many times as possible and always get a, a laugh out of almost every scene. I feel like the film gave me what I expected. Will, Will Ferrell, John C. Rowdy, middle-aged men, still living at home, clashing, uh, you know, uh, falling in love. Not falling in love, but, you know, like learn, you know, become best friends. Um, and nothing more. It gave me what I expected and nothing more. You know, Talladega Nights, there was a little bit of subversiveness to it. You know what I mean? Like, they, they played the joke straight, but then, you know... You also actually did see a rise and fall and rise again with this character of Ricky Bobby. These guys, they grow up, but it's like, I don't know, man. I'll give it a rewatch, maybe. Yeah. Well, one of the better parts of the movie is like every kind of family movie has that moment at the end where it's like, here's the lesson learned and everything. And this movie even takes that and flips it on its head with the father giving his speech of when I was a kid, I wanted to be a dinosaur, but I gave up on that dream. And you guys have to <laughs> not give up on your dream, become your dinosaur. And Will Ferrell and Giant C. Riley are just like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What are you even right. talking about? That is so... You want to be a dinosaur? You couldn't even be a dinosaur. And they just rip into him for a good, like, two right. minutes. And it's like, oh, this is so great. Because you expect uh, that to be, like, the motivational speech of the movie where they're like, yeah, we can do this. And they're like, no, that was dumb. You shouldn't talk anymore. That was terrible. <laughs> you shouldn't talk anymore. I gotta say, man, I love the punchline uh, where uh, I think he he gets them a clubhouse, right, or something, or, or something happened in the end where he uh, did it give them back their treehouse or something? Yeah, <laughs> right. And why and while they're going up there, the psychiatrist, I think it was Will Ferrell's psychiatrist, she said, "Y'all, y'all know this is a little fucked up, right?" They said, "Yeah, we know, we know." <laughs> that was See, that it, was funny. It, I I just yeah, every scene in that movie gets a laugh. I. I highly recommend giving it another shot, uh, especially okay. if you haven't seen it in a while, just because it is hilarious still. Uh, even when I was just doing my rewatch of all of these movies, it still gave me the most laughs out of any of them. 
All right, I'll take your word for it. I'll, I'll uh, I may give it another watch one day. So you got this as number one, huh? I got that as number one. I would put Anchorman as number two, and then Talladega Nights three, and then we'll we'll get to the other two. Okay. All right. All right. So we're moving on to the other guys. You know, uh, the first collaboration between Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Not a bad pair up, man. When this film was first announced, I was a little surprised. I'm like, Mark Wahlberg? I, I could see him in a comedy, but next to Will Ferrell, I'm like, he's he's going to get overshadowed. Mm-hmm. And he, he he did, but um, he, he he held his own. Like, he he played the, the straight man, well, actually, the, uh, the stereotypical straight man detective well. Uh, he plays more of the douchey straight man. Right, right. That's what I meant. He plays the bad cop well. Is, is what I meant, yeah. you know, the good cop and the bad cop. Uh, I, I like this movie, man. I ain't, I, I like it. It's not one of the best, but I, I enjoy it. See, it's this is my least liked movie out of yeah. the five that we're talking about today. It's I didn't enjoy it too much, and uh, like the mix between Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell's characters, it if. Will Ferrell was like off the wall goofy during it instead of playing a straight man. I think it would have worked a little bit better. Well, he was. I mean, he had his his off the wall moments. I think he would like, you know, he kind of had this Alan Sandler thing where he would kind of like burst into a fit of rage in some scenes. Oh, yeah. When he he grabbed the guy. Right. Like when he grabbed the guy and started like swinging him around, screaming. (laughs) I I liked Alan I don't, Adam. Uh, I liked Will Ferrell in this movie. See, I can say that the the mix of Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, I I want to see it in other movies because I think it does have potential. But I don't think it was played to its full effect in this one because you had both of them. You had Mark Wahlberg playing that you know douchey cop that you know yeah. has a tragic backstory, and it's like okay, that's it's a little generic, and he's not doing anything with that character. And then you have Will Ferrell. You know, he used to be a pimp, and he changed his life to make it uh, so he to would be an accountant. As, yeah to an accountant, <laughs> and he plays it so straight that it. Does. it it becomes inherently funny because everything he does is, yeah, my wife isn't attractive. And just every girl, it fawns over him. And he's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. I just, I just live my life. And <laughs> it, it just, that's funny. It, it, it works for him. But then you have Mark Wahlberg's kind of douchey character coming in. And, you know, instead of, uh, you know, playing off of that, he plays his own kind of character in like a different movie almost. Like it doesn't feel yeah. like they foil each other very well. Yeah, I feel like it's good for what it is. Um, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg is pretty much what you expected. Same criticism I have with Step Brothers. It, it gave you what you wanted. Um, this one kind of left, I don't know about more of an impression on me, but I, I like the way it was made. Plus it shows that Adam McKay can make an action film. I will say it was odd with uh, the action scenes with uh, who was it, Sam Jackson and The Rock. I think I know Sam Jackson was in it. I, I think The Rock was in it. Was The Rock? In yeah, it? he was his partner for Sam okay. Jackson. Uh, th- those action scenes are so off the 
top kind of over the top kind of action scenes and i love them all because uh, it even opens up with the scene with the car and the bus and everything like that it just it i want to see an adam mckay action comedy in just that style throughout the entire thing like i want to see him do a fast and furious movie i he think that would be hilarious he, he could probably do it and play the joke straight and it would come off as hilarious oh 100%. yeah I, I can see it Based on just the opening scene and the couple of other scenes where he has The Rock and Sam Jackson, uh, it, I 100% want to see an Adam McKay Fast and Furious movie of some sort. I think it would be spectacular. It's like that match made in heaven, especially after seeing how he can do those scenes with the direction. But there is one scene in the movie that... I absolutely love and it's not because of like the humor behind it or anything like that it's just kind of the cinematography spans on it and it's when they both go to the bar after uh Will Ferrell I think breaks up with his girlfriend or no he gets kicked out of his house with his wife and they go to a bar and they do this whole thing in the bar where they kind of show the night and like these still images that the camera pans around like almost a 3D stills. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that scene. And it's just I I love that scene so much just from the cinematography of it. It's like I want to see more of that kind of stuff in Adam McKay's uh movies, but sadly he never does it again to my knowledge anyway. Yeah, man, you know, um and we talked about this one of our first episodes. It was probably our second episode. Adam McKay's a a, a great director. He he Oh yeah. He he he's a great filmmaker, you know, uh, and I think in his later career, which he uh, transitioned over to um, fact based, you know, dramedies like The Big Short and Vice, you know, he's he's shown his versatility. Yeah, I like Adam McKay. I do. Well, he even has that a little bit in this movie in the credits because he goes like over Ponzi schemes and like the you know CEOs wages versus employee wages, but he only does it in like the end credits for this one. Right, right. So it's kind of, you know, I it, it made me kind of realize he's never done something on a Ponzi scheme, and I want to see Adam McKay tackle a Ponzi scheme kind of thing like he did for Vice and uh, The Big Short. I wouldn't mind seeing an um, a Adam McKay Madoff film. Even yes. though Madoff, yeah, even though Madoff has been portrayed twice, you know, uh, Richard Dreyfus on the miniseries and Robert De Niro on the HBO film. But, you know, both, both solid performances performances uh but i wouldn't mind seeing a adam mckay tackle madoff or a huge i wouldn't mind seeing an adam mckay wolf of wall street actually yes yeah that would be good because he definitely has that nailed with the big short and uh vice and you can kind of see that he already was getting involved with that kind of stuff with other guys it's not Mm -hmm. as prevalent but it kind of is the b plot of the movie of I'm trying to remember who the villain uh, was played by, but his entire thing is a Ponzi scheme. But it's just not as prevalent as a story. It's basically just kind of the B-plot of the movie. Right. I agree. Um, Yeah, man, I thought this was... um, I don't want to say this is the beginning of the end because, you know, uh, both these guys still have uh, have, have a... blossoming film career but this was uh this was the beginning of the end between 
Will and Adam, as far as like Will starring in Adam's films, because I think he still produces yeah. Adam's films. Um, yeah, man, this uh, this leads to I think uh, the last one. Uh, going yeah, back the final to the- one that uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay were both involved in in a dir- directing and starring role. Right, right, directing and acting. Yeah, uh, Anchorman Two: The Legend Continues. Uh, so, quick this confession: one I did like it more than the other guys. But it okay. does not hold up as well as Anchorman at all, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. Uh, quick question, uh, quick confession, man. I still haven't seen this. You still haven't seen Anchorman two? No, I just do. Part of me, I, I I don't want my leg. I don't want the legacy of the first one to be tarnished. I I, I just I was very hesitant to watch this film, dude. Um. So to kind of give you a play-by-play of this one, it does take a lot of the good humor from Anchorman and kind of evolves it to the more of a current news kind of broadcast setting where they make fun of how the news is now, you know, all extremist news or cute kittens. And it's no (laughs) longer about presenting the news. It's about presenting it in the most interesting fashion possible whether it's correct or not that's interesting so, so is it like is it set in the 80s or present day uh it's set in the 80s okay so like there's a scene where uh they're like covering a car chase and during the car chase they're like we don't know what's going on but we can suspect that the person is you know either some kind of drug dealer he might have murdered somebody we're not entirely sure on the details yet but as soon as we know exactly who that drug dealer murdered we're gonna get back to you guys and (laughs) you know it just plays off of like all the tropes of the news just kind of it's not about being right it's about being the first to report it and that's the entire premise of the movie is them just mocking current news standings and everything like 24-hour news and how uh different ratings go through you know like what about this stuff on the ticker on the bottom that that seems more important than what we're talking about yeah but look at this kitten you know that (laughs) that's the entire premise of the movie until it goes kind of off the rails a little bit and it stops being funny to me it has like the last third of the movie kind of just completely falls off the rails and that's when he gets fired and they do some weird b plot with him going blind and befriending a shark and it just i i don't understand it <laughs> sounds about anchor manish sounds about anchor manish yeah sounds about right um Look, man, I, I I I just look at it as, you know, I was I, I walked into Bad Boys for Life with a little hesitation, but I left out satisfied because I'm like that lived up to Bad Boys one and two. I am satisfied. I didn't know if Anchorman two was gonna satisfy me, man. I know you can never, dude. It's very rare when a sequel overshadows the first one or is just as good. You know, you got Blade Runner right. twenty forty nine, you got uh, Terminator two, you got Aliens. I didn't think Anchorman Two was gonna be a, uh, a Aliens or Terminator Two, man. I, I thought it was. I felt it was gonna be a Dumb and Dumber Two, and I'm not talking about the prequel because that one was solid. Yeah, that one was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, but Dumb and Dumber Two, I refuse to watch to this day. Really, you still yeah. haven't seen that one? 
I refuse, man. I love me some Jim Carrey. I love Jeff Daniels, too, but I just refuse, dude. I, I just heard so many bad things. Like, yeah, it's not funny. Is it worth my time? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I won't I even love- lie to you there. That No, just don't bother with it. Okay. If you've made it this far without seeing it, you don't need to see it now. There it is. There it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I am going to watch this film eventually, though. I am curious to see the legend continues because, again, Will Ferrell makes me laugh. This this cast is not a bad cast. Even though they're probably just returning just to return because the fans asked for it, I'm still going to check it out. I just, I'm just a little hesitant because, you know, you stay classy, America. That's stuck yeah. in my head, man. You know, that movie is in my brain, and I, I don't want it to be uh, fucked with. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't have the same heart as Anchorman. It definitely feels more of the fans have been asking for this. L- let's just, you know, make something, release it, and hope that fans enjoy it as much as they're hoping they will. Okay. So it it definitely didn't have as much heart and creativity as the first one did. Uh, They definitely play it a lot safer. There's a lot more of brick in it because he was a fan favorite in the first one. Uh, I hate it when they do that. Yeah. So it it does those mistakes where they try and make it what they think the fans will like instead of trying to make a movie that they enjoy making. I hate it when they do that, man. When you got a great film and you're making a sequel, but you take the fan favorite and kind of put them at the forefront, which is a good idea from a fan perspective. But when you realize, and I don't know how the film does it. Does Brick carry the film? Uh, No, but he definitely has more prominence in the film and more lines and everything. And it's the same kind of off-the-wall random humor, but it's just a lot more prevalent throughout the movie and it does get old a little bit faster as a result. Okay. Take for instance, the dark Knight. Heath Ledger's Joker is a very strong pre- pre- presence in that film because of how dynamic Heath Ledger's perform. Everybody gave a great performance, but mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's performance was so dynamic. It was, it was almost a little overshadowing of the whole film. That's not a that's not a bad thing to the Dark Knight. That, that makes the movie just as great. But that's like Chris Nolan releasing a film. That's like Chris Nolan releasing Joker, but you got Heath Ledger playing Joker instead of Joaquin Phoenix. Or that's like Heath Ledger uh, making another Batman film, but it's half of the film is focused on Bruce, the other half is focused on Joker. The Joker should stay as you Secondary. know the the supporting villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there's a, if there's a background film like Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, that's fine. That's an origin story. But trying to make a Batman and Joker film, that's just that's dicey because I like it when Joker doesn't show up as much. That makes it more surprising when he does. You know, am I making sense? It also makes him seem a lot more clever with how he like approaches things because you get the you don't see him planning it or anything like that. You just see the execution going off and you're like, that's exactly how he had it planned. It might not be, but you think it is. Right, he's he's insane. You know, he just he thinks on the fly. Right. Um, I agree. I think that's the end. I mean, we can listen. I never this this is uh where Adam McKay was a producer and provided part of the story. I never watched Get Hard. I didn't really want to. Did you? Uh it, it's it's okay. 
Um, okay. It was nothing special to me. Uh, same with the campaign. It just it doesn't have the same feeling. Like Will Ferrell's still great in them, yeah. But it doesn't have the same power behind it with the jokes and you know where the story goes and everything like that without Adam McKay. I think. I think that's like the match that can't be broken up. Kind of like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. It, you can have them separated, but there's something missing when they are. There wasn't a damn thing missing in Baby Driver. That movie was that, good that the was way it was. Great. But watch a Simon Pegg movie like Paul or uh, what was the one with the magic dark school? It was like the Harry Potter kind of mocking movie. I with think Nick I know Frost and Simon Pegg. It just doesn't land I, as right yeah. without Edgar Wright. Paul had a lot of problems. Paul, that's a whole nother topic. I, it had everything right to it. I think maybe if Nick Frost made it, it would have been different. Because Paul has great moments. Seth Rogen voicing an alien is genius. But I don't know, man. Paul just fell flat. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what it is. It's when you have them combined, it's it's a match made in heaven. But when they're separated, it's like there's something missing here. Yeah, it's like Outcast. I don't always want to hear Andre Three Thousand by himself or Big Boy. I like them together. I, I right. get what you mean. You know, speaking of a uh, separation, you know, Ethan Cohen is gonna go off and make his own film. Is it Joe or Ethan? Right. One of them. Uh, one of them is making a a, a Macbeth adaptation with uh, Denzel Washington. Huh. So the the brothers are splitting up for one film. That's going to be interesting. See, is the other one going to be doing a film at the same time, or I'm not sure. I don't think so. I maybe you know. I have he, they ever the, done a project solo before? No. This is going to be. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, kind of interested in seeing this one just for that, just to see. If it still holds up to the Coen brothers' kind of expectations. Well, here's the thing. He said, um, because uh, I'm about to look it up right now, which one is doing this. Uh, the brother that is uh, tackling the film uh, uh, solo, he said it himself. He said, well, this isn't really a Coen brothers film because we never really did anything Shakespeare X, Joel Cohen. He's the one that's doing it by himself. He says, yeah, you know. Uh, this isn't really a Coen Brothers type of movie. It's just Macbeth. You know, it's, it's Shakespeare. So, I mean, but those guys, even when they make something that seems non Coen Brothers esque, it comes off Coen Brothers esque. Like, no country for old men. Well. Uh, yeah. I can honestly say, I if you put up a picture of either of them, I couldn't tell you which one was which. I just know them as the Coen Brothers. I think Ethan is the shorter one, I think Joel is the taller one. Okay. Yeah, so Joel's the one that's doing Macbeth. But I agree with you, man. When you have that dynamic like Adam and Will, um, and you break that up, it can be a little... It can be jarring. It can be jarring. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're bad separate. It's just yeah. it, it, there's something missing. Okay, so uh, so um, hierarchy here. I got number one, Anchorman. Number two, Talladega Nights. Number three, see, Step Brothers, the other guys, I I could switch either one of them. Like they they're interchangeable to me. Um, I'll put Step Brothers at three. I'll put other guys at four. Uh, I'm not putting Anchorman two at five because I haven't seen it, but it's uh, 
It's tentative. It's kind of standing in its own category of mystery at this point. Yeah. So other uh, guys is the one I I, I least like. Um, yeah. It, for me, it is Step Brothers, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Anchorman Two, and then the other guys. Okay. Okay. So beside uh, moving Step Brothers to the top, basically the order is the same for us. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, what have you watched lately, man? Um, right now I just basically focused on watching uh, the Adam McKay movies. Uh, aside from that, the new season of uh, Seven Deadly Sins, the anime on Netflix dropped, so I've kind of started getting back into that. Okay. Hey, did you happen to check out Cursed? Cursed? Uh, not that's ringing like a, a bell. Is that a newer one? or? Yeah, that's adapting the Frank Miller uh, uh, novel. It's like where they, they turn King Arthur into a woman, like a female take on the Arthur, the Arthur legend. I think that they got turned into a Netflix show. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check Me it out either. and see... Yeah, because I don't even think I've seen any advertising for that. Yeah, man. To be honest, I've been rewatching episodes of this, um, and I, I really think this is an underrated series. It came out around the same. Well, it was ending around the same time where uh, The Sopranos was at its uh, at its at its peak. Um, Oz. Oh, you remember? Yeah, that one is really good. Yeah, the one that's set in the prison. Um, yeah, yep. dude. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was younger, I used to sneak and watch this show, and I was, like, so shocked by all the, you know, the violence and, and sex. But um, as you get older, you realize how great the writing is in this film, in this show, man. Like, Tom Fontana, like, wrote and co-wrote every episode, which is unheard of for most showrunners th- these days. Uh, Oz is a great show, man. It's a very well-done show. Yeah, I remember very much enjoying it when I watched it back in the day, and... Uh, obviously not when it was airing. Uh, it was right, later right. on when it was like finished and everything. I don't think I finished it, but it's one of those shows I never really think about. But I do remember it being good. Dude, I suggest finishing it, man. It's just it's a hell of a show. Uh, six seasons, but every every episode is compelling. Yeah. yeah, I remember it always pulling me in. I can't remember why I stopped watching it. I think it was only streaming up to a certain season or something like that and they never went and finished uh streaming the rest of it and i just never sought out to find it on blu-ray or anything like that you know i'm thinking about watching i'm thinking about maybe watching chinatown today i never saw that film uh who directed that one roman polanski it's a classic with jack nicholson and faye dunaway Okay, yeah, I'm just making sure that there wasn't another one, but yeah, that's I've seen that one before. Yeah, you know, y- y- you want to watch the classics once in a while because you want to know why it's so great. Like, I remember, and you know, I I feel blessed that it even happened. I saw Lawrence in Arabia at the, the Detroit Institute of Arts, you know, on 4K on the big screen. And that was that was my first time watching that film, and it was it was amazing. Oh, yeah. There's so many movies that just work better in a theater experience. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the one was. The World War II that uh, Chris Nolan... Dunkirk. 
that one oh, you yeah. have to see in a theater. You can't you watch to. that on a TV. You can't watch that with just a sound bar. You have to see that one in a theater. And I hope that they start doing those uh, Dolby Experience kind of like rewatches again that they started to do at AMC pre everything going crazy. Uh, Cause that's one of the ones I was waiting to come back. I'm going to be honest, man. Uh, me and my fiance, we're thinking about maybe going to the drive-in on Thursday night to uh, the Ford Wyoming drive-in in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, they're showing Jaws and Jurassic Park back to back. I saw something about that because there's a couple drive-ins going on. There's one up in uh, Waterford that is doing a couple movies as well. So mm-hmm. it, the drive-in theater kind of experience. I've never done drive-in theater before. Never? And yeah, it just hasn't oh, wow. been something that I've done. Yeah, you need to get on that, man. It's a, it's quite an experience, man. Um, Yeah, it's great being at the drive-in. Now, listen, uh, certain films, I, I need to be in the theater, man. I can't go see Tenet at the drive-in. I need to be in a theater uh, closed right. in IMAX because that's Christopher. It's almost required with a Christopher Nolan film. Like you can't, you can't just go see him at the regular theater. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, I would recommend you going to the drive-in. It's a great experience. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that I've kind of always wanted to do, but I've just never done because either I hear about it too late, or you know. It's just kind of one of those, I don't want to sit in my car for two hours and watch a movie kind of things. Hey, you know, you may say that, but um, when you got the right double feature together, it's not it's not bad. Like, I had John Wick 3 with Pet Cemetery, uh, the new one that I went to see uh, some time ago when John Wick 3 was still in theaters. Um, of course, John Wick 3, you know, I, I love those films. I love action. Um, Pet Cemetery was good, but we, we kind of drifted off because I fell asleep. It was late at night. But uh, when you got the right combination of films, it's not a bad. It's not a bad time. It's not. It's not bad to go to the drive-in. Yeah, it's. It, it doesn't seem like the worst thing, but every time it comes up, I or there's an opportunity to go, I always go. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel like it today. <laughs> I got you. Or I find out about it when it's too late and. It's like already sold out. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> well, I had a suggestion for next week's ep- for for next episode we do. Um, we 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 could talk about it, but I think at some point we should go into Guillermo del Toro. Oh, one hundred percent. Now there's there's two sides to this guy. There's the the Spanish uh, independent side. You know, we got Pan's Labyrinth, The Devil's Backbone, Chronos. Then there's the Hollywood side, you know, Hellboy, Shape of Water, Blade Two, uh, and on top I of that, I wouldn't even put Shape of Water in the Hollywood side. It just became the Hollywood side because that was more of an independent film project for him before. Okay, okay, uh, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. That seemed like more Pan's Labyrinth ish esque. Yeah, it just, just ended up getting huge praise in the theaters because apparently everybody wanted to watch a woman have sex with a fish man. That tells me how you feel about the movie. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, one I actually best. love that movie. 
Yeah, it's a solid movie. It's a solid. Um, yeah, we could do that. And then that led me to another idea. You wanna? You a Blade fan? Oh yeah, I'm wholly excited for the upcoming Blade movie that Marvel pseudo announced. Basically, they where they yeah. went. We're making another Blade movie with no details or date or anything like that. Uh yeah, uh, Marshana Ali. Um, yeah, from Luke Cage. Yeah, he's great, man. He's gonna be a great Blade. I have no doubt. Y- you wanna? We could discuss the three Blade films, and we could discuss Del Toro. And when this? Oh, one hundred percent. I'm up for that. Yeah, when the Snyder Cut releases, uh, we're gonna discuss Snyder. Of course. <laughs> that, been, that'll definitely be a fun one. Yeah, your boy's been in the news lately, especially uh, with all the controversy between Wade Fisher, who plays Cyborg, and uh, Josh Whedon. Uh, for... Uh, Ray Fisher said that uh, that Josh Whedon was a, a kind of a bad guy on the set of Justice League. Said he was unprofessional to work oh. with, disrespectful, you know. Yeah, he called everything that was made before him crap and said that it was terrible and they would have to redo everything. And yeah, he was not one for the vision of the Snyder cut of the movie, apparently. Wait, wait, Josh or Ray? Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, you know, Snyder kind of says something like, yeah, uh, basically every frame on there that ain't mine, I'm redoing that and replacing it. Yeah. Um, again, we uh, I think we talked about this. Uh, I love that um, directors, when they're given the, the, um, the opportunity to craft their vision, it's a great thing. I, I'm not always the, the biggest Snyder fan, but I recognize the man's talent. You know, and I'm I'm curious. I think I'm gonna just watch this movie and not watch the original, uh, and we'll see if it's better or worse. Yeah, I've seen both cuts of Justice League, and I look forward to seeing the Snyder cut just to kind of see how it goes out versus the other two, especially because hmm? there's another one. There is like a director's extended cut. So Josh Whedon's extended cut or Zack Snyder's extended cut? Josh Whedon. Oh, okay. Kind of like uh, we had to cut some scenes for time in theaters. We added those back into the movie kind of cut. Nothing spectacular. Kind of like the, what was it, Batman versus Superman cut where it had like three extra scenes added in kind of thing. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what he'll do. I'm, I'm I'm keeping my ears open. Any movies you're anticipating besides that that are coming out video on demand? Uh nothing big. Oh, Mulan coming to Disney Plus. Yeah, making people pay twenty. And we no, not even twenty dollars. They're making thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Listen, man, I love Mulan, but come on now, thirty dollars for for a live I, I, action film. For me, I'm just going to wait until it comes out on Blu-ray and pay that same amount for the 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I uh, you lost me on that one, man. You, you lost me. In the age where, um, you know, RIP movie pass, you know, most movie tickets cost 10 to like at most 20. Uh, yeah, I'm not paying $29 to watch a film on a streaming service I pay for. 
Like, yeah, it's a weird kind of thing. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but I don't like it kind of thing. Disney has all the money in the world. Yeah. Because they could easily release it on streaming or release into theaters for a couple weeks or like a month and then bring it to the streaming if they're worried about losing contracts with theaters. Uh, They could find some other way to do it. But I understand the argument of it's $30 and you can have as many people like crowd in and watch it as you want. Like for a family of four, those $10 a ticket plus popcorn and everything like that, they're already spending $50 to go see it in the theater anyway. $30 to see it at home isn't really that big of a deal for that kind of scenario. And I understand that. I see where it has its benefits and everything. Yeah, I was saying for that, yeah. For that kind of scenario, no, it isn't. But, yeah, man, I'm not paying $30. Um, Yeah, me personally, I'm not doing that. I'll wait on it. I have no, you know issue with waiting on Mulan. Yeah, I think I'm going to take my time to get into some get into some movies. I'm back working from home uh, at my new job, so I I got time to get into some more stuff. Man, it's corona, man. Uh I got to admit, man, I, I miss us sitting across from each other in that uh in that podcast room in the nice little studio down in Detroit. Yeah. Uh I miss, I miss being it. able to get uh Lafayette Coney. <laughs> Oh, have you been there since? I mean, I think they're still open. Uh, I have not. Uh, We, up in Rochester, uh, there's a place called La Puma's. I've gotten them once since they reopened uh, after all this. And it it was amazing to be able to get a fresh, like, chili dog again for the first time in four months. I think I got Kirby's Coney Island uh, chili dog from there. It was it was solid. I like Kirby's. They don't live up to Lafayette, but I like Kirby's. Yeah, uh, La Puma's is like the next best thing to Lafayette, and it's in Rochester Hills. So if you're ever in Rochester Hills downtown area, check it out. One hundred percent recommend it. I'll take your word for it. Uh, all right, man. Another great episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. All right, I guess we out. <laughs>